You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And we've got some more on John Calipari today. He spoke about Dante Allen. Some good stuff there. Uh, Insightful. Uh, He also spoke about Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, If he were to come back, would he be the point guard. Also, grad transfers and the transfer rule that looks likely to pass, that a player would not have to sit out and be able to transfer one time without penalty to any school. Calipari goes on a long rant about that. You've got to hear it. He makes his whole case about that. Uh, So we'll discuss those things, but first let's get into um, Carl Anthony Towns. He comes out on Wednesday with a video uh, that he put out there on Twitter saying, you know, you should take this coronavirus thing seriously. Uh, I'll tell you why. Because my mom has it, and she is in a coma. I, I mean, just yeah, it's blows gu- you away when you hear Carl Anthony Towns say that. Yeah, a pretty gutting video. Um, I just can't even imagine that. I just, I, I really can't imagine that. I mean, I don't, and I'm not sure if she's actually tested positive for the coronavirus, uh, I assume that's the connection he's making, but right, right. I saw some. I don't know. Regardless of that, uh, I just I can't imagine having this hit home like that. Um, yeah, you know, talking. He said. I guess he said he was talking to his mom, and she was saying things that he didn't want to hear. I don't know if that was like, you know, in case, you know, just mm-hmm. in case. Like I love yeah. you and all that kind of stuff. I assume that's what he meant. He seemed pretty emotional there. Um, and then doctors put her into a coma and put her on a ventilator. That that is, uh, mm, I, I would I would uh, you know as more stories like this come out, I feel like I just don't feel like this is a thing. We've talked so much about people not taking it seriously, and that was his big message: was please take it seriously. Right. Um, I just think the longer this goes, the more impossible it's going to be that you look around and don't know anybody that it impacted. Um, right. And that may change some attitudes about it. You know, just yet. I mean, I, I juxtapose that against the fact that just yesterday, the governor of Kentucky, who has, I think handled this incredibly well. Yes. Certainly in the public reassurance and advice and just being sort of a steady hand with these fireside chat type 5 PM addresses. Um, just yesterday, the governor of Kentucky is telling us that somebody went to a coronavirus party. And to clarify, that some Ugh. people are like, oh, they're a party where they're, int- they're they're deliberately exposing themselves to the virus. Not exactly. No, no. But they're just saying, they're basically mocking it. Like, oh, right. well, we're out of work, so let's all get together and have a party. Right. Well, some at least one of them tested positive for the coronavirus. And so now an entire party of people was exposed to the coronavirus, which means everybody they came in contact was exposed to the coronavirus. And then exponentially, you can do the math from there. All because people are being stupid. Well, I mean, one of the... And not taking it seriously. And now Carl Towns' mom is on a ventilator. So, you know, it's just... I I think as this goes on, stuff like this is going to keep happening where you go... Like these jarring reminders that this is very serious. And it's not just 90-year-old people who were already on their last legs who are dying. 
Right. Well, th- I mean, there was something in Connecticut. They call it like one of the super spreaders where like a group of people in the suburb or something got together. Or, like 50 people got together, had a party, uh, just kind of throwing the middle finger up at the coronavirus and saying, yeah, not us. We're, we're young and vibrant and healthy and we don't have to worry about it. And they called it a super spreader. That yeah. when they took off and went everywhere else, it just exploded. That's why the Northeast is such a hot spot for this. And see, if you look at New York, you look at New Orleans, uh, you look at the Southeast, you look at uh, the Northeast and the West Coast, and you say, well, that's there. Then you go to like maybe like Colorado or Idaho or Wyoming, Montana. And you look at those states or you know, big swaths of Texas. And you go, eh, well, not here. But that's just because we haven't had the test here yet, you know? Or the only, West Virginia seems to be exception in this part of the, the country. And the only thing I can figure is just there's not a lot of people, like, visiting West Virginia. You know what I mean? Going <laughs> into West Virginia. Tourism. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people go there for the mountains, but that's a, that's to go be isolated. So Yeah, it's a beautiful uh, state. I have my yeah. family. I have family from there. I'm not trying to put them down, but it's not like uh, people fly in and out of West well, Virginia. There are, yeah, there aren't a bunch of cities that you're going to visit in West right. Virginia. It's you're, you're going there to be outdoors, which, you know, that might be the best thing we can all do is yeah. go go fan out in a mountain somewhere. Um, but my whole point is you can look at and say, well, it, I could see how you could not take it seriously in different, different ways by looking at the whole thing, depending on where you live. And, and you just, uh, and, and then for people to come out and say like, well, like you mentioned that it's not just 90 year old people. It's not your grandpa that's dying from this and that's it. No, because there, there are people that are going out there and saying like, well, yeah, if if it's just the older people and they don't have that many years left, let's not sacrifice our economy for right. them. They could be a sacrifice to make sure the America as we know yeah. it continues on. It's out, that's outrageous in itself. Even if it was true that only old people get it and die, right? It's an outrageous thought. Um, and, and then to me, if you if you want to say that you're pro life, anti abortion, <laughs> and you back Trump, but you also say this. They can't coexist. Yeah. They don't work together. You can't be pro-life and and pro-death at the end. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the almighty is, dollar. All life is sacred, and uh, you know, if if you if you believe that all life is sacred, then it means all the way till it's over, right? Um, all the way know, through. One of the one of the things that is uh, kind of alarming, uh, Mark Ennis, uh, who uh, is on the radio in Louisville, um, shared a story. Uh, from the so it's not some from some crackpot website. It's from the Associated Press in Rome about they call it Game Zero, the spread of the virus linked to a Champions League match. Oh. It was the biggest soccer game in At- Atalanta's history, and a third of this town Bergamo's population made the trip, and apparently it was the source of a huge spread in Italy. 7,000 confirmed infections, 1,000 dead. Yee. So as we talk about starting, cranking everything back up and going back to life as normal, and, and then when you think about that and you think about how close we were to just going on with, you know, the NCAA, NCAA tournament, tournament. I mean, 
it would have been a disaster. And if we'd kept having NBA games and all this stuff. And so that's, that's another reason why, I mean, I hate to keep throwing this sort of scary idea out there, but like not scary, but just like depressing idea. You better start preparing yourself for the possibility that there's not college football in the fall. Uh, or if there is, is very depressing, or very if there depressing. is that they're not playing it in front of 60,000 people, which at that point, why do it? Um, I don't know. I just, <laughs> but you know, the Carl Towns thing is a sobering reminder and it's, it's very sad. And I would just say, you know, we are thinking of him and his family and um, gosh, I hope she gets better. I mean, I just, she's not an old woman. <laughs> I've, no, I've Mm-mm. spent time with her on a couple of different occasions, a few different occasions. And uh, she's so incredibly proud of Carl. She's a very, very sweet uh, lady and she's not an old lady. Uh, his parents no. are not old people. Uh, I would guess they're in their fifties, probably early fifties. And if you think, I mean, I know there, there's a generation out there that probably thinks that's old, but when you get to be 30, you'll realize 50 ain't old. (laughs) No, no, Uh 50's not, no, it's not as old as you think. Over uh, 65 is when you become a senior citizen. So it's, uh, it's just scary and sad and, uh, take it seriously. (laughs) I mean, the other thing I was going to say, we, we talked about Cal's comments and we're going to talk more about them on this episode, but and I kind of mentioned it yesterday, he kept talking about COVID-19, uh, coronavirus, um, on throughout that press conference. He started with it on a long mm-hmm. thing, and, and not just about the virus, but also about the um, uh, economic impact and trying to help people that are being affected while we have everything shut down. I, I can't, I don't know, was it out already? Did we talk about yesterday, his plan to partner with Kroger and the school system? Did we, he uh, he announced County? it after his press conference. No, did, I, so, so I'm saying, did we talk about it on the podcast or not? N- no, yeah. we didn't talk about. Okay, the, so they're they're the gonna they're gonna identify 400 families that need uh, groceries and for four weeks pay for those groceries. And then Cal said, if they need longer, we'll go eight weeks. If they need longer, you know, we'll keep going. And they hope that other people step up and it's 500 or a thousand families. But that's a very cool thing. So he talked yeah. a lot about that, but he also just he kept really talking about stay in your home, wash your hands. If you come in the house, you know, take your clothes off and put them in the laundry. And he said, the thing I ended my piece, I wrote just, I kind of tried to distill down everything he said into uh, the pertinent stuff about the team for the most part yesterday on a piece for the athletic. But what I ended with was him talking about sending the players home. And he he said, he told him, if you have older grandparents or aunts and uncles, stay away. You were right. in Texas, Florida, Nashville, all within a period of time, traveling the way we travel, touching people you didn't know. Do not go near them. He was very adamant about all that. And and now we know that he talked about today, so he's been praying for, Cal tweeted that he's been praying for Carl's mom every day. So he knew already yeah. about this. It, it felt like something, it, it felt like it was like increased, it had an increased importance to Cal when he was talking mm-hmm. yesterday. And now we kind of understand why. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break. When we continue, we will talk about some of the things John Calipari discussed, like Dante Allen and Emmanuel Quickly, and also his his stance on on, on transfer, the new transfer rule. We'll do that when we continue here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and we continue with uh, John Calipari, his, his comments – uh, that we talked about on yesterday's podcast. He did uh, nearly an hour worth of uh, video conference. 
and got into many different topics. Uh, we picked eight, uh, I think the top eight topics that were worth uh, discussing. And this one is about Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, John Hale from the Courier Journal asked him if, you know, it seems like Emmanuel Quickly, if he were to come back, that part of that reason he would come back would be uh, to play point guard because that's where he fits in, it seems like, in the NBA. That would be his role in the NBA. And here is what John Calipari said. He could. He could. Um, and again, let me, let me say this, what I'm so proud of, of Emmanuel. And I told the team this. On his wall, in his mirror, in his bathroom, in the, in the lodge, his goal for this year was to be a starter. Was to be a starter. From that, he became player of the year as voted by the coaches who had to play against him. Player of the year in our league. Jamal Murray did not play but about 15% point guard. I would say Emmanuel played 5 or 8% point guard because the other two guys in front of them were better in pick and rolls and creating shots for their teammates. They weren't a shot creator like he was. So the team used that strength and exploited that in him. But he couldn't guard a year ago. If you remember, he couldn't stay in front of anybody. Now, all of a sudden, he became one of our best defenders. And he would be in the huddle saying, I got so-and-so. Let me guard him. Again, yes. Would we be a better team, him being a point guard and this team coming back? Yes. But that's not why he should make a decision. His decision is, is this the right time? Am I ready to succeed in that league? Am I mentally ready? Which I know he is. Am I physically ready? Yeah. Have I mastered my skills the way I need to? That's the decision that he would have to come back to. I think, again, one of the great kids that I've ever coached, uh, one of the most grounded young men that I've ever coached. Well, it sounds to me like it's kind of open. Like John Calipari says, well, hey, Jamal Murray didn't play point guard very much here at all. And look at him. He's a point guard for the Denver Nuggets. But would we be a better team if Emmanuel quickly is playing point guard? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I. It's it's hard to parse exactly, you know, any definitive sort of meaning out of what he said. You could you could I think you could almost interpret it any way you want. But one thing I thought was um, notable about sort of how he broke it down. He said, you know, could he be could Emmanuel be the starting point guard next year if he returns? He could. He could. Um, and then he says, um, his decision is, is it the right time? Am I ready to succeed in that league? And then he goes on this kind of question and answer. Am I mentally ready? I know he is. Am I physically ready? Yeah. Have I mastered my skills the way I need to? That's the decision he would have to come back to. Right. And so that to me, like it's, I think it's pretty clear, like the selling point, if you're Kentucky to Emmanuel is that, you know, you can still get better. You can still prove something that you're going to need to prove at some point um, to people in the NBA that you can play point guard. Um, so there's a lot of pull there. Like, they they can win a national title next year. Um, he can be the point guard on a, you know, title-contending team. Um, right. You know, and they're, you know, right now we know he's a great – he's great at drawing fouls and making threes and free throws. But there's a lot else to the game 
that he hasn't really shown at the college level. So could he, you know, that, that, that last line, you know, he answers, Cal answers yes for him to the, am I mentally ready? Am I physically ready? Have I mastered the skills that I need to? Maybe not. So, you know, that, that I thought was interesting. If I he could add, this. well, if he could add what Shaquille just Alexander had, you know, that, that ability to drive, hesitate, and get to the rim. Quickly hasn't quite shown that. He's shown the ability to get in the paint, use the floater, shown the ability to draw fouls, shown the ability to hit the outside shot. Uh, but, you know, finding people as far as assists go, uh, creating offense for others, and getting to the rim on his own, uh, those are definitely things that he could improve upon and do in college that would help his draft stock next year. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's any question that he could go from like mid-second rounder to feeling very good about being in the first round if he does yeah. those things next year. Um, and we, we, we talked about it from the perspective of like, of, of like awards. You know, you're, you have a better chance of some of these big awards, national awards, when you go into a season as a known commodity as opposed to sort of popping out of nowhere in the second half of the season like he did. Yes. But also when it comes to the NBA um, – you know, okay, now they're paying attention to you. Um, now they know you have this skill that they value shooting threes, getting to the free throw line and making them. They know you have some translatable skills. Um, now, you know, ask them in this process, what do you really want to see from me? And come back and make that your whole focus. I mean, there's a real value to that. Um, you know, PJ Washington, it's a great example. Like, what, yeah. are, what, you know, PJ had a chance to go ask the NBA, what do I need to do? What do you need to see? Well, we want to see you're, you're a six, seven power forward. You better damn well be able to shoot the ball. He comes back and he shoots lights out and he's a lottery pick. Um, you know, I, I think Emmanuel quickly can, can be very similarly focused with the NBA. Okay. If I'm a second rounder now, what would make you pick me in the first round next year? Well, you know, go go two and a half to one assist to turnover ratio. You know, be a terrific on ball defender, um, and keep shooting it the way you're shooting it. Okay, yeah. got it. <laughs> you know, right? There, there is some value. This this process that they have, which has been affected by all these delays and, and issues with the virus, no combine, maybe no workouts. That's that hurts him a little bit. You, but you can still have these conversations. And yeah. you can have Cal have these conversations on your behalf with all his connections and, and really tune in. Like, okay, what's the what's the one thing I gotta do? I can do that, you know, and, and so we'll we'll see. But I, I I I continue to believe there's a very good chance that he will accept that challenge and, and be back. One guy we know who'll be back for sure is Dante Allen. Uh, the, the Kentucky Mr. Basketball, who only played a, a brief part of his season, maybe like 13 games or something, and uh, he was scoring, I think he had three or four 50-point games, something like something crazy like that. He, he, he was coming in with all kinds of, of hype, and then he, he tore his knee, got that fixed, and he got in a car accident, hurt his shoulder. And so, you know, it's like this whole season was about – rehabbing but was he ready to play by the end of the season here's what John Calipari had to say by the end of the year he was in the best spirit to play and want to play but I kept telling him I'm not going to use a year of your eligibility 
for 30 seconds or two games. I won't do that. Unless you're telling me, I just want to play, forget about that coach, which he wasn't going to do. Um, but he finally, the last, I'm going to say the last month of the season, started playing at a level, intensity, conditioning, that he could have played in games. But it was only the last month of the season. Um, he was still learning plays, uh, spacing, press attacks, zone stuff. He was still learning all that. But he would have been able to get in games. And I'm not saying play 10 straight minutes, but he could have gone in a game and held his own. So I'm excited for him coming back. And I think he's excited. So Dante Allen could kind of be the forgotten guy when you think about the class that's coming in. You think about Juzang returning, Keon Brooks returning, EJ Montgomery most likely returning quickly, a, a very high candidate for returning. Uh, you forget about Dante Allen. How is he going to fit into all this? Well, I, you know, six, 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 seven guys who can even, no matter what you want to think about the competition, who can average 40 a game over, what, 13 games before he got hurt his senior year yeah. in high school when he won Mr. Mm -hmm. Basketball. He won Mr. Basketball on, on 13 games. And there'd be a lot yeah. of people that disagree with that. <laughs> but uh, he was outrageous and shoots the ball great. Um, I remember people telling me, you know, in the summer last year, because he could shoot, he wasn't fully recovered, but he could shoot that he's just pure, like lights out uh, shooter. Those are valuable no matter who else you have uh, coming in. And and there's also huge value in the fact that he was practicing by the end, like really practicing with the team, learning what Cal expects, learning, you know, their style. And, you know, he was sitting in meetings and watching film. And with all this talk about, you know, what another year does for guys in terms of this not being a shock to the system and just kind of not being totally freaked out. Like he has some of the advantages of that, of that, not right. all of it. Cause he didn't play, but he was there, uh, you know, when does Caliber get to red shirt, a guy who's can actually play for him. Um, yeah. I think, I think Dante Allen is, is a huge piece. If not this year, you know, at some point over the course of his career, I think he, he looks up – I don't think I know. He looks up to Darius Miller. Um, I think Darius yeah. Miller's dad, uh, dad played at the same high school as Darius Miller much earlier than Darius Miller. but uh, And they have a family connection and they talk. I mean, he, he thinks of himself like that. And I think that's a great comparison if you're trying to project out what Dante Allen can be at Kentucky. You know, a guy who contributes, contributes, contributes. And then, you know, as a senior – Darius Miller was as important a piece to that national championship team as just about anybody. Wasn't he the SEC tournament MVP? Is that right? Uh, the year before? The year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The year before, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you know, and there's kind of similar – I mean, Darius was much more filled out, but, you know, a six eight guy who could really shoot it and, find, and found his way back to the NBA doing that, you know. Right. Ended up overseas but shot the lights out as a six eight guy shooting 40-some percent from three. He ended up back in the NBA, um, right, and, and really playing in the NBA. Dante Allen's a six-seven guy who probably has room to fill out um, physically, especially with a year in the weight room, and um, you know, and, and make shots. And those are those are at a premium. I, I think he'll have a real role as as much as they've added. I I still think Dante Allen has a real role for them if he's healthy next year. All right. When we come back on Locked On Kentucky, we will discuss what John Calipari had to say about the transfer rule. Uh, he gives a, a comprehensive 
overview. I think it's great. Uh, he makes so many good points uh, that you you have to hear the whole thing. It's like a five-minute clip from Calipari, but we're going to play it for you when we return on Locked on Kentucky. Let me tell you about one of the ultimate life hacks. It's hard to find the time to sit down to read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There is an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information, from thousands of non-fiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points out of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute or on your lunch break or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. It has a massive uh, and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller list, as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA, try it free for seven days, and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on Locked On Kentucky, and John Calipari went on a long, long, long uh, rant when he was asked. Uh, I think it was Daryl Bird from the Cats Paws asked him if if he would like to have a grad transfer pretty much every season moving forward with the success success he had with Reed Travis and then Nate Sestina. Looking ahead, is that kind of a strategy? Well, that led him into, um, I don't even know if he, he kind of touched on grad transfers, but really that set him off on a whole, you know, explanation of this new transfer rule. It looks like the NCAA is going to pass a rule where a player can transfer to any school, another school, one time without penalty. So, you know, right, Khalil Whitney. You know, had Khalil Whitney decided that he wanted to jump and go to Tennessee, boom, next season he's at Tennessee. That's it. I don't know if it works within the same year. I don't think they're Yeah, I don't think you that. could just, like, slide in the no. <laughs> second half of the season. No. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's going to be – I've got to read the fine print on that. I think there are some sort of stipulations. But for the most part, it's, yeah, if you leave, you, you go play one-time exception, go play wherever you want, which I, I think on its it, – in general – is like a no-brainer. Guys guys should be able to if coaches can go wherever they want, yeah. Uh, players should be able to go wherever they want. But it but right. as Cal said his favorite phrase in this uh unintended consequences. There are a yes. lot of those. And we're going to hear them in this so listen to it. I think it's uh I think it's intriguing all the points he makes. So here's John Calipari on that right now. Well, there's a lot of things that are going to be changing here when the rule is passed that players 
can transfer without penalty one time, it's going to change how we all look at this because the problem is going to be the unintended consequence is not for Kentucky. All the other teams can be farm, farm teams for us. You get them ready and then we'll take them here and we'll win and help them get where they're trying to go. That alone should get the NCAA to say, we're not doing this. That alone. And if you want to play what I just said to them, play it. It'll, the, the rule will change. We won't do it. But if you're at a mid-major or a lower major school and you've invested in recruiting and coaching and academic support and all the stuff you financially time, your heart, your soul, your sweat into a young man as a freshman, he becomes freshman of the year in your league. And now, coach, I got to go to Kentucky because I want to be ready and be prepared for the next level. That's my dream. And I thank you and see you later. That's what we're about to face. I think more and more schools will recruit grad transfers then. They will because I know I'm having this kid and I know what the expectations are. I got him for a year and he's a veteran player and we're going to get as much out of him as we're giving to him. Um, my thing is if they do go to this transfer, um, why would you be transferring? Well, if it's because you were lied to, you're, you're going to take all the shots. We're going to run the offense through you. That guy's the worst. He's a bad human being, and he lies. We tell the truth. You're a starter. You're taking 25 shots a game. You're playing, and then you don't start, and you're, you're taking seven shots a game. You should transfer, and you shouldn't have a penalty. You got lied to. The family knows you lied. But the other reasons that I see are not good. I said that any staff that tampers with another team's players, that head coach should be fired. And it's no questions. We, well, how do you do it? Well, you, the kid that's transferring, you take his phone. And you say, we want to look at your phone. Well, wait a minute. You called the high school coach and the AAU coach, and then the, the calls between those coaches and your guys were made. We can put the dots together. What did you talk about? He just talked to him. You called the coach. You did and if you lie, you never coach again. And then you get fired if you tamper. Coaches don't agree with me there. They think you can't, you know, the bad guys will do it, the good guys now. And I said, well, what are we going to do in the handshake line? Give out business cards? Hey, kid, you were good. Here, take this. I mean, it, 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 we're walking into uncharted territory there, too, and I worry about it for our game. I worry about it for kids. The minute there's any issues, not being lied to but there are issues to be challenged or the guy in front of you is just better than you. And it's going to take you another year. We're going to teach them to run, just go to the next place. All right. So now they have a job and they walked into a job and it's not exactly what they thought. What I'm just going to leave and go to another job. And then I'll go to another. What are we teaching these young people? You have to fight through. You are responsible for you. You build your own self-esteem and your own self-confidence. You build it. Your numbers say what you are. The film doesn't lie. You have to get better. If you're not willing to work, well, they told me it would be easy and that they just give me, well, then you shouldn't have gone there. 
because none of this is easy. It's all hard. It's all a dogfight. If it were easy, what were we taught? Everybody would be doing it. This is really hard. And then if you're trying to do this, it gets more narrow, 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 and it's harder and it's even harder. And you must be a master of your body. You must master your craft. You must master your mentality that I'm not afraid. You want to make game winners? You can't be afraid to miss game winners. I mean, all that stuff that they have to learn that's not in the classroom, that they learn about competing and competitiveness, the first sign of trouble, you run to another school. Don't think it's good. No one listens to me. I, no one, my family doesn't live. The animals here don't listen to me. No one listens to me, but those are my thoughts on it. All right, Kyle, I think my favorite part was when John Calipari mentions the tampering, and he says, so what are we going to do? You, you play a team, and uh, the kid plays really well against you, and then you go on the handshake line, and you go, here, kid, here's my business card. Yeah, he loves saying that. He, that's been his, <laughs> one of his talking points, handing out business cards. Um, <laughs> and I thought the other uh, line where he said, uh, what did he say, a feeding uh, – what, what, what was the phrase about uh, – Basically, it's it just a, like a grocery store for Kentucky. You know, they can just go. Oh, yeah. They can just go through and pick out what they want. I mean, it, you know, you you recruit a them. farm system. A farm yeah, call system. It a farm yeah. system. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you you sign them. You identify them. Uh, they're you know guys that aren't in the top twenty twenty five players in the country. Kentucky's not even looking at. You know. Right. Unless there's some special reason they would, some family connection, or they're in the state. Uh, but for the most part, if they're not elite, elite prospects, Kentucky's just not going to go look for – they're not going to look for developmental guys. Right. Um, so you are at you know, mid-major you, or even just non-blue blood major you. You know, like there's plenty of guys at, at Tennessee and, you know, Mississippi State and all the – you know, elsewhere that Kentucky – You know, Kentucky <laughs> wouldn't have looked at. Um, you know, and you recruit them. You you develop them. Uh, they play one or two years for you, and they like he said, you know, a guy comes in somewhere and he's you know freshman of the year in his league. I say, well, thank you for that, and we'll have him. Right. <laughs> um, and so you know, his point is basically it's not going to hurt Kentucky. Um, now it will hurt Kentucky because the guys on the end of their bench will get picked off. But I almost think that gets offset by like, okay, fine, take our bench warmers that we don't know if they can play, and we'll go take right. proven guys from other teams that we know can play. Exactly, uh, and that'll be a more than fair trade. Um, and so he said, you know, play this for the NCAA. If they hear me say it'll help us, they won't do it. Um, but I, you know. I don't. I, I think for all his objections, and it almost feels like Cal just wants to be on the record for this. He knows it's going to happen, and he just wants to be on the record saying I was against it, right? Um, because it's so going. Don't come at me. Yeah, it's going to happen, uh, and Kentucky is going to benefit. And I, well, he's going to take advantage of it. It's not like he's going to go. Well, I'm not for it, so I'm not going to use it. Yeah, he's not. It. He's not going to sit back and let Duke take all the good players. Right. <laughs> you know, like if he sees Marcus Howard at at. Uh, at at Marquette as a sophomore tearing it up or Miles Powell at Seton Hall as a freshman tearing it up or Obi Toppin at Dayton as a freshman tearing it up. You don't think that they're going to be interested? And then when he says the tampering part, well, hey, I said you should be fired for tampering. Right. 
Right. So now we've contacted the AAU coach. The AAU coach has talked to the kid, and then the kid talked to the AAU coach, and the AAU coach called us back, and that all happened within an hour. I remember I laid that out for you. I said right. you should be fired if you do that, but they said no. So hey, we're just playing by the rules here. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it's going to be. He is right. It, it is. It is fair, and it is the right thing to do. But it is also going to be crazy. Like <laughs> basically, what what it will turn into and and this is for our purposes in the media it's great because there's like there is no more interesting time in sports than these free agency periods and especially you know when there's years when there's these hot free agents we're gonna have college basketball free agency you know the moment the season ends until you know the draft is over is gonna be just a free-for-all and I think we've probably seen the end of guy like Obi Toppin ain't gonna you know if he doesn't go to the NBA like he ain't going to be a guy who's you know starring for 3 years at Dayton. No. Uh he's going to give him 1 year and he's going to be at Kentucky. I would guess, you know, like all, all these guys are going to end up at at major programs where they think they can make a deep run in March and also, you know, if they're looking at the NBA, who can develop me for the NBA? And uh, Exactly. You take a guy like Malachi Flynn at San Diego State and he looks at it and the NBA says yeah, uh, still a few things we'd like to see from your game. So, so you know, you could go back to San Diego State for a year and figure it out, or you could come to Kentucky where it's a basically training ground for NBA players. So those are the kinds of decisions that these guys are going to have to make. And just like Calipari said, it will become a farm system for Kentucky. Yeah. And, he, and Duke and, you know, and, and those And those programs are, you know, we mentioning that other side, those programs are, are going to have to worry about the other piece of it. Like there, there will yeah. be, there will be no guys unless they are. And this may ramp up in-state recruiting for Kentucky because there are not going to be many guys who are going to sit around waiting for their turn at Kentucky. Yeah. Like midway through the season, Johnny Juzang could have had, you know, a bug in his ear, but this increases the clutter that John Calipari yeah. says. Well, the that, yeah, that's the other, that is the other thing. Like if they could, even if they couldn't play in the second half of a season, they may immediately say, I'm out. I'm going to go get settled in at my new school and be, be there, be playing there in the fall. All um, right. you know, would Juzang have stuck it out shooting two for 15 from three and playing five minutes a game for Kentucky right. in January? Uh, if he knew he could just leave and go play somewhere else, I don't know. And his in Calipari's whole thing is, and he makes a good point. I think he's accurate on this. Is it's it, he always says it's about fight. If you want to make it in the NBA, you got to fight. You can't just like you're not just going to get there on on talent alone. You've got to be able to fight and work for it. That's what separates the guys who fade away in the D League and the guys who make it on NBA rosters. He said so. The first sign of trouble, you run to another school. Like if you if you want to make game winners, you gotta can't be afraid to miss game winners. So his whole thing about how we prepare guys for the NBA is fight. Like Johnny Juzang had to fight to earn the playing time that he got to be able to be someone who can come back as a sophomore and maybe work himself into the NBA draft in instead of just being put out there and, and you just play through your mistakes and we'll see what happens. And it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. He, he's he believes in in a different system that has been successful. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you know people, college, you know, the purists in college basketball hate one and done, um, you know, and and sort of lament. Well, we don't get to know these players as well. Well, you know, that's also 
going to be over just like more broadly in college basketball in a different way. Like it's not just one and done to the NBA. Now it's going to be, you know, one and done. I was here and now I'm going there and now I'm here and I'm going there. Um, you know, guys aren't going to be guys, guys who are developmental guys at big programs aren't going to stick around waiting to play now. And guys that are early stars at small programs aren't going to stick around there and not be on, you know, championship contending teams that get guys to the league. So there's going to be so much annual roster reshuffling that I think we're going to hear the, like we hear it all the time from Kentucky fans, but I think it's going to be a across the board thing in college basketball where fans are like, man, I don't even get to know these guys. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, those are unintended consequences. All that said, I will say again, it is the right thing to do. You just, if you're not going to pay these players, or, or allow them to profit from their likeness, you absolutely can't restrict them from going where they want to go. I mean, I just don't see how you can do that. Um, you yeah, know, and I don't know how you put, like, a parameter on it to make it so that they have to prove that they should be or anything. I, it's too arbitrary. It just wouldn't work. So you just have to make it a blanket free-for-all. And so, you know, my, my, my counter to it would be, if if you want to make a negotiation, there's unfortunately no college players union, which maybe there should be. If you want to make a negotiation here, put the restrictions back on transfers and pay the players. Yeah. You know, like it, you you you're getting paid, so you stay there and and get paid, uh, or stay there and have an opportunity when it's your turn to profit from your likeness. But uh, short of that, if you're if you're going to continue to profit massively off these guys without giving them a cut of it, then you better not tell them where they can go because their coaches don't have to worry about it. They can sign you and leave. Um, There's no easy answer. College basketball, this also underscores the need for like a college basketball czar, uh, which we've talked about for a long time as well. Uh, An adult in charge with some common sense who understands the game, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, understands all facets of it, who isn't, agenda driven by one way or the other, like, oh, we've got to be like the old days. We shouldn't have freshmen play those kind of extremists. Uh, and it should yeah, be- grab up Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and, you know, Carl Malone and John Stockton and guys like that and put them in a room and let them hash some of this stuff out. Yeah. And, you know, listen to people like John Calipari, you know, get both, get both, uh, mm-hmm. ends of that Coaches, deal. Yeah. John Calipari, who's an NBA focused guy, get, you know, um, you know, Tom Izzo, who's not an NBA focused guy and, and get them in a room with some visionaries and figure out college basketball, but it's not going to happen. Mick Cronin, bring Mick Cronin in there with yes. John Calipari. Let that happen. <laughs> I just bring <laughs> Mick Cronin to the edge of a volcano and <laughs> crank up the, the wind blower. <laughs> All right, on that note, we should end this podcast because uh, we've gone uh, a little bit over. We want to tease ahead to uh, the next podcast, which is going to be on um, uh, with with Michael Eaves from ESPN. We, uh, we, we're scheduled to talk to him, um, so we, we plan on having that for you uh, and stretch it out maybe Thursday, Friday, maybe even Monday, depending on how long our conversation goes. But, of course, Michael Eaves from ESPN and uh, Kentucky native and a UK alum. Uh, so we'll talk to him. A lot of interesting stuff uh, to hear from him. In the meantime, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. 
All right, now tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NFL Draft. Thanks for listening, guys. You are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.